in order for that everyone to work perfectly together, it's a machine, you know, it's an engine and everything has to listen to each other and respond accordingly. Being extraordinary is having a relentless commitment during the unseen hours to work towards mastery of your craft and focus on the fundamentals. Being extraordinary is about doing the little things right every single day. In today's episode, I go behind the camera with my new friend, Devin Long. Devin is a multifaceted character actor in both TV and movies and is currently a series regular on CBS's hit comedy, Ghosts. He is a former football star at the University of Oregon, played briefly in the NFL, but didn't catch the acting bug until his playing career was over. Devin has such a unique acting skill set that he's been able to portray such an eclectic array of characters, from vicious assassins to lovable superheroes. The first time I saw him on screen was during an episode of Bosch, which is one of my all-time favorite detective shows. I met Devin through his wonderful wife, Jessie Golden, whom I met at a wellness retreat in 2017. Warning, this episode contains the occasional use of adult language. Words like and and quite possibly some nudity. So please be advised. Here's my conversation with the incredibly handsome and statuesque Devin Long. So I think just to kick things off, I just want to know, what do you think of when you hear the term unseen hours and how do you apply that to your craft as an actor? <laughs> I mean, the unseen hours is just the time when you're not in front of anyone. It's just you with your craft and what you're doing and how you're going to progress and, uh, you know, drive further from where you are now to where you want to go. You're so wise. Well, and, and how do you apply that to, to being an actor? I mean, from, I guess, from learning your lines, like what is your process to actually getting into character and embodying the people that, that you portray? Because I, I think one of the reasons I'm so blown away by your work is how versatile you are. I mean, you've played everything from superheroes to, you know, you know, kind, considerate, affable people to villains and assassins. I mean, you've done everything. So how do you get into character? Man, it's it's different. It's it's so I, I, just a little backstory on me. Like I grew up as an athlete. Like I was never, I never did theater, and I've never been to a play uh, or a musical. Uh, you know, it was just never part of. I was just a jock, right? And so, uh, you know, I grew up playing football, and then I went to college, uh, at University of Oregon, and played there on scholarship, and uh, played a little bit afterwards with the Panthers. And the thing is, you know, unseen hours as an athlete is completely different because there is a stencil for how to be better, how to be great. Like when I'm not practicing the game of football on, on the field with my teammates, I know I could hit the weights. I know I can improve my strength. I could watch game film. I could, I could work on my get off. I could work off my, my lateral mobility, my plyometrics. I have all these things and I have a whole facility and a tool shed and everywhere to go to work on that. And I can see marketed results. My, my strength went up from last month to this month. I'm faster now. I'm, I'm bigger. I'm stronger. And you see these things. And then, you know, uh, being, you know, an artist now, it's like it's 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 completely opposite. You, you don't know what you're doing. It's like, you know, you're on a. Uh, a little Easter egg hunt in the middle of the, the night with, and you're blindfolded, you know, you just have no idea. You think, you know, Oh, maybe this will improve this. And maybe you'll still do that. And, you know, there's so many different ways to approach it. And there's no real like um, way to actually measure if you're getting to where you think you need to go. It's just a feeling and it's a trust. So it, it's become much more instinctual. You know, sports is very instinctual when you're in the moment and 
in the game and you know from snap to whistle it's all instinct you know you're just responding and reacting and then the rest is kind of like it's all mapped out for you but as an actor you know those unseen hours is just you got to do what you think you got to do and if you think you did enough then you did enough and if you didn't do enough then you know you did enough there's it's there's no way you just at the end of the day you could drive yourself crazy i mean i've spent so many you know on auditions for parts i didn't get i've spent hours upon hours and just beat, beating it out and looking at these beats and writing out like okay this is backstory and this guy is and this is what and then yeah coming to get it and it's not even there i'm not even doing it, you know and then sometimes uh, i'll get it i'll get a part and be like i know that guy you know what uh f it i'm just gonna i'm gonna know this scene i'm gonna i'm gonna taste it for a second i'm gonna forget about it and when i do it i'm gonna come and bring it and then it, you know knock it out of the park so it's like there's it's crazy. You never really know. And that's just my process. You know, I, I wish I could find a process that was like tried and true. Like, I know this will always work every time, but it doesn't. It, every, every part's different and everything. It's, it's, which is the adventure of it all, you know? Paul <laughs> wants to thank Samantha and Small Man for making special day possible. Though I wish you would have secured mead, but we'll let that go. Gosh, so much cool stuff to unpack there. So, so let's start with the obvious question. You were an athlete your entire life at the major college level and then at the professional level. You just admittedly said that you never really were into acting, never went to musicals, theater. So how did you get into this? Where I love movies. I love movies. Ah, I was raised okay. by so movies. You started okay. as a fan. Huge fan. Like, I mean, like growing up, we, I didn't have cable TV till maybe like freshman or sophomore year in high school. So it was all we had was the VHS and we had uh, like every week, my brother and I, we can go rent one movie downtown. And then we had the movies that like, uh, you know, we just had at the house, like Amadeus and Top Gun and like Willow and Neverending Story. So I would watch all those stories endlessly. And, and, and essentially my whole life, I, I grew up on an island in Washington with like 10,000 people. So like, basically I was raised by movies. So I was always just like movies, is like I created my personality based on like different characters I saw in movies. I was like, ah, I think I'll be like that. Like, okay, cool, cool, cool. So I always had like a strong connection to that, but I just didn't, that world just, I just figured you're born Tom Cruise. Like you're born onto a set, like you're just chosen. Like I didn't think there was a way that you could actually become, that you could like audition. Like I just, honestly, until like I started working, I had never even thought about it. I, like, if you were to ask me, like, hey, Devin, like, how did they do commercials? I'd be like, I don't know. McDonald's just shows up at a McDonald's and then kind of look around and they grab someone and then they shoot that spot right then and there. Like, that's how I thought they were really doing it. So, I mean, it's just uh, getting it, the bridging the gap from sports to uh, that craft. I mean, do we want to go there now or what? Where's oh, we, we can, man, because all of this is so fascinating to me. So first question I have, was there a specific genre that you were – you know, uh, into, so you mentioned Top Gun. I mean, were you more kind of the, the action hero drama? Uh, were you into some silly, goofy comedies and things? Cause I know the eighties and nineties, there were no shortage of those either. I didn't like the, the humor of the eighties and nineties too much. It was like too goofy. Yeah. It wasn't until like Step Brothers came around that mm -hmm. I was like, this is gold. Like that was like, you know, I fell in love with comedies right around then. <laughs> I'm a bit of a spark plug and a human resources lady. Oh, oh you know, it, it's actually, it's Pam. I'm sorry. Well, Pan. No, my name is Pam. Are you saying Pan or Pam? I'm saying Pam. Yeah, I'm sorry, who is this gentleman sitting behind you? Hello, Ms. Lady. 
But before it was always kind of like, you know, those action heroes are like, I loved like the mystical adventure quests. Like I just, I would just loved, like I said, I mentioned Willow earlier, Never Ending Story, The Labyrinth. I loved like kind of like uh, things sci-fi, but like just worlds that like didn't exist in my world that I, I just fantasy lands. I love that stuff. And then obviously I, I come back to Top Gun, but man, the, the movie was like my favorite growing up. And I used to just watch it. I was like, cause there's, every character was so different and they all, you know, there was Slider, there was Goose and everyone was like, are you the funny guy or the cool guy? And I was, everyone wanted to be Maverick, but like, I always knew I was a goose and it was just really hard for me to, to accept that. But once I accepted, I was a goose, everything worked out. Then it all fell into place. So you're, you're an elite level football player. You're, you're even playing professionally. So how does this come about? I mean, I, for those that aren't watching on video, you are a very well put together, very striking, handsome man. So did, does somebody come up and tap you on the shoulder and say, Hey, you need to audition for this. Or have you ever thought of acting? How, how did you first get into it? What was the first audition or first? How role? did I get into acting? Yes. Okay. No, I, you know, I, I, I got, I was done with football. I got injured with the Panthers and I had surgery and tried to come back and they just, it didn't work out. They're like, go, you got to go somewhere else, kid. And uh, so I was really bummed out. I lost kind of my identity. Like I'd spent my whole life, you know, with the number after my name. And then one day I got no number after my name. And, you know, people were like, what do you do? I'm like, well, I played football. Like, well, what do you do now? I'm like, well, I played football. Like I, I didn't know who I was anymore. And uh, my brother and I, he was actually going through the same process. He was just finishing up his career with the Titans. And so we had an opportunity to spend like two years together uh, where we had the means to just kind of like do us. We had never, we'd always been told what to do. Like as an athlete, every day is planned out for you. So like, this is like the one time in our life where we didn't, we could wake up whenever we wanted, go to bed whenever we wanted, travel wherever we wanted. So we, we really took advantage of that. And uh, towards the end of that two-year stretch, which is an amazing stretch, you know, me and my brother became like soulmate, best friends, you know. Uh, I just kind of had this void. And I, you know, obviously, I was running out of money. Uh, and I was like, I need to do something. And uh, I had an opportunity to move to Venice Beach. And I had, I think I had like $1,600 left. And I was like, I, I'll just go, I'm just going to drive out there and I'm going to move to L.A. And something, it's just going to work out. And I got out to LA with no intention of, you know, being an actor and like that. And I, I like had submitted for, I tried to like sell artwork. I, that was just a terrible, terrible, I mean, anyways, I tried to do a couple things, got shut down, couldn't, couldn't bartend. No one would hire me. I was like, maybe I'll do medical sales. They're like, get out of here. I couldn't get a job for anything. And uh, I had a friend who was doing commercials. He was the only guy I knew. He played basketball at Oregon. Uh, when I was playing football there. And then, uh, so he lived in Hermosa and I was living in Venice beach and he's the only guy I knew in LA. And he's like, Hey man, I got this agent, you know, you played football, they do football commercials. He's like, I'll hook, you know, I'll hook you up with him. And, you know, maybe you could book like a football commercial for like Gatorade. And I was like, all right, cool. So I, that's how it started. I, I met with this dude and went out on a couple of those. And, um, those were, they paid good money back then, you know? And so I booked a couple of those and I was like, this is great. So I just literally did that for like three or four years and made good money and, and was living that, you know, Top Gun volleyball scene lifestyle and uh, never referred to myself as an actor. Didn't think that was ever going to be my thing. My agent was like, Hey man, like uh, you want to go out for some TV stuff? And I was like, was like, what? like see lines and like do acting. He's like, yeah. I was like, Oh, you know, I'll try it. You know? 
I mean, I went in and I bombed so bad in my first audition. And then it was the scariest thing I've ever done. Like I was in the waiting room, just shaking. And I remember that like I was driving home and I was so disappointed in myself for the way that I handled myself in there. But then I realized that, that it scared me so much and it, it, and it triggered me so much that it, like, it, like I had such a, a response to whatever that was that I was, I, I don't like to be defeated. Like if, if I'm going to do something, I'm all in, you know, I'm, I'm, I got that burn the, the ships mentality. Like once I say, okay, I'm doing this, I'm going to, I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it all the way. And you know, like I'm either going to die doing it or succeed. Yes. That's awesome. Well, this is the next step. And there's something here that I'm, I'm so scared of, but yet I'm so intrigued by, and I just had to like go towards that. So I, started taking some acting classes and started really kind of like trying to figure out like what kind of tools I, I could hone in and develop kind of like, you know, like the football mentality. I was like, all right, well, how do I do this? All right. So all right, what do I do? I got to work on this and this and this and that. So I spent some time doing that and then uh, slowly got my seat a little bit, understood a little more about it. And then book like my first job, uh, just a couple lines. And it was like shameless. I think that was my first job was on shameless. Yeah. Season one. Oh my goodness. Well, let's go back to the commercials for a second. So for a couple of years, you're booking primarily commercials. Now talk right. to me about, talk to me about that process. Is it basically your agents got your headshot, your measurements and a few different pictures and they're sending it out. And then somebody like a Gatorade says, yeah, he'd be the right fit for us. Uh, do these commercials, did they have any speaking lines or is it basically just you're, you're part of the set for rap, for lack some of a better of them have speaking lines. Some of them did it, uh, okay. you know, and the reason why I was always kind of, successful at those commercials is because I'm a big guy. And so like, I'm, I'm in the big guy circle. A lot of the other big guys, uh, you know, they don't always have like a good personality. They don't, they don't have the charisma. They, you know, some of them kind of like, we're too cool for school. Like, you know, like a lot of them, a lot of big dudes are ex-athletes and yep. a lot of big dudes sometimes are like, and like don't really want to try hard and think that things should be handed to them because honestly, in our past career, everything was, you know, I, we all worked our way up to the top of the totem pole and then to be cut back down, you're like, okay, I got to start over. And a lot of guys have a struggle with that, you know? So anyways, the, the, the circle that I was competing within was kind of small. And I was like, oh, okay, it's, it's very, you know, niche. And so I would just go in these things. And, and when, you, when, when you get submitted for like, you know, whatever, uh, you know, the big, the big guy in the Gatorade commercial on the football team that, you know, grabs the towel and says, what's this? I just learned right away. It was all about, you go in there for the first, you got the first audition where you do it just for one guy on the camera. And then, you know, then if they like something about what you do, they call you back and they bring you into this room where you got the client, you got Gatorade, then you got like the agency, which is like, you know, the creatives that created the commercial and you got producer, director, you got all these people in there and they all got like this whole tray full of guacamole and, you know, ceviche and aiolis and then every kind of bubbly sparkling water you could ever ask for. And they're just so cool sitting there and just staring at you and you just walk in front of these people. And I, I just realized, I mean, I dealt with so much, just so much shit, you know, in my life with football, like that this was just like, okay, like I'm so comfortable. Like these people, they can't hurt my feelings. They can't do anything. They can't offset me. And I would just go in there and, you know, just make them laugh and just, just show them, Hey, I'm here. I'm a good dude. Like, yeah, I'll get this line. I could take direction. Uh, and I'm going to be a fun guy to be around and you're only going to have to work with me for two days. Do you want to be working with a guy that you feel comfortable with? Or do you want the other guy who might be a little better of a look, but maybe not as fun to be around and they're going to take the guy that they want to be around every time. So I just was like crushing these commercials, like literally just 
knocking them down and making like a really good living uh, doing it. And so I was very content with commercials for years. That's the smartest thing I've ever heard anyone say about anything. How many commercials do you think you did in that couple of years span? Oh, is it something like you do, do you do one a month? Do you do one a week? Like, no, I don't know. Well, no it's idea. crazy. Sometimes you get on a runner. Like, like okay. I think like if like I had booked like seven in a year once, which is crazy. So like, you know, commercials are wild, man. I mean, you yeah. could, you know, back in the day, like you could make, you could make anywhere from, you know, five figures at the bottom level to six figures on a commercial and six figures on like one job. Yeah. But like that didn't happen very often. That's like, that's like the, the, the white whale, like, you know, yeah. every once in a while, like you get like this crazy commercial that would like run for like eight years. And like, you know, everyone's like, Oh my God, you're still getting paid on like, yeah. yeah, that was the fun. Like you never knew what you're going to get. It's like a, the grab bag. And sometimes you would knock it out of the park with like a, you know, a big Toyota commercial or, right? you know, and, and then, you know, it was great. You know, I didn't have any responsibility. I'm just living at the beach. My job is to hang out and, you know, play paddle tennis. And I was just kind of living that, living that beach bum life, man. A little, little Lebowski kind of, you know, yeah. hanging out and keeping and, loose out there. Well, well, one thing I, I noticed, and I don't want to gloss over it. I love the fact that you were coachable. And that was one of the main attractions to hiring you, because if all things are equal, people want to work with someone that is open to direction and is, is fun and easy to work with. And I would imagine that coachability was planted, you know, for your years as, as being an athlete. And I, I think that's, that's so important because ultimately it's still a relationship business. I mean, you have to be good at what you do, but I'm sure repu you know, your reputation will precede you with the word on the street being Devin's really fun to work with. He's coachable. He, he takes direction. Like who doesn't want a guy like that on set? Yeah. It's, it's, and that's for everything, you know? I, I, and I think it's just, no matter what you're doing, it's like, it's like we're one big team, you know, whether, you know, like humanity as a whole, or, you know, if you're on a, a project and you know, like I am right now where we got like, you know, a hundred people in the crew, everyone's got their own job. Mm -hmm. And in order for that, everyone to work perfectly together, it's a machine, you know, it's an engine and everything has to listen to each other and respond accordingly. And, and if something comes out of balance, that has to communicate the other thing to, you know, balance for that out of balance. And it's just like, once you understand that and you go, okay, well, my job is to help whatever this is be better. And I'm here to serve the greater good. And when someone says, you know, whether this is a director, because that's the person that gets to like, you know, see what's out of balance, uh, you know, and they, they give you a note, you go, oh, thank you. Yeah. And you listen and you take it in and then you try to give them what they want. So the thing, the thing could work the way that it should. No one told you yet you're a genius and an artist. Let me be the first. It's very simple. It's very basic, but a lot of people that have issues, some people just have issues taken. It's like an ego thing. They just like, don't like to be, don't tell me what to do. And it's yeah. just so ridiculous. It's like, we're, we're, we're all here together, man. Like we're not, you know, I mean, some people give notes differently. You know, I've, I have worked with some directors that aren't, polite in the way they ask you to do things uh i won't name any names but some uh sparky people yeah uh, but at the end of the day it's like yeah if you want to work in any capacity in a successful level and you're not at the top of the food chain which 99.999 there's always a bigger bear out there there's always someone that can tell you what to do it you know it's just like you gotta you just gotta say you go aside and listen and, and serve one for the team you know Last thing on this commercials front, and then we'll move on to the the other portions of acting. So somebody on my side of the TV sees a, a finished 30 second commercial. You see a couple of lines, a little bit of action, a little product placement. 
That's all we see, 30 seconds. What What is in the unseen hours of that? And I think you just mentioned it could be a, a two-day shoot. Like how big is this crew? How how many times are you saying a line? How much standing around is there? Like how how big is it on the other side of the camera that guys like me don't get to see? Commercials is just like one wild, big one night stand, you know, there's, it's, it's, it's like, you, you, you know, it's just, it's just, it's not pretty, uh, but it's like glamorous, you know, whatever it's, it, it, you get there, you, you maybe shooting a day, maybe you're shooting four days. You, you don't have a whole lot to do, but you know, if you are, if you do have like a bunch of lines in it, then yeah, you got a little more dialogue and, and you got to run your dialogue a lot and, you know, different ways, but it's honestly, it's, it's pretty smooth. You know, it's not that hectic. It's, 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 really easy and fun as long as like you're relaxing and you, you did your work you know if you got if you have lines know your lines before you show up and then you can have fun and it's like uh but yeah there's like a lot of waiting around and eating food and hanging out and directors are like well his pants are too blue and then they're like well those are two just ridiculous things that they will take hours hours to like talk about like Try this on with that. Those socks don't read the way that I think they should. It doesn't say masculine, you know, heroic. It says more like, uh, you know, Portland kind of like a uh, free thinker. And we're like, what? If they're just socks. Like, what are you trying to say? Like, and then the agency comes over. They're like, well, uh, no, 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 no. We can't do that. And it's just like they spend these endless hours like debating over like this crazy stuff. And so like, and, and you're just like standing there as like the, you know, the one wearing on and trying all these different things on. To answer your question. It's a lot of hanging out, a lot of waiting around, a lot of drinking, a lot of coffee, a lot of goofing off, and then doing your work and hopefully not getting yelled at and uh, making a good enough commercial that they actually run it and you get paid. I, I you that. don't get paid if they don't run. Right. No, that's true. So a couple of years of that, and then you go for this first audition, which you just said in a spirit of vulnerability did not go as well as you had hoped. You said the first one was a really tough audition, but that you learned a powerful lesson from that. Um, so so talk to me now about like the next audition. How soon after the one that you, you felt like you bombed, did you get another crack at it? And let's just talk about the audition process in general and anything you can share in the unseen hours. I was terrible. I was terrible for a while, uh, but I learned that, you know, auditioning is a craft completely different. And a lot of these acting classes, they don't teach you how to audition. They teach you how to, how to be a better actor once you get the job. And I was like, I can't even get the job to implement all these, you know, these tools you guys are giving me. And I was like, yeah. I was like, I got to be a better actor. I mean, a better auditioner in, in those scenes because it's, and that's a, it's a whole nother beast. Cause you're, you're going in in this room and the room's just so awkward, you know, sometimes the people that are like there, they just, I don't know if they're doing it on purpose, but they're trying to make you uncomfortable to see if like, you know, you know, maybe like they want the person that could shine the brightest in, in, in the darkest room. I don't know what they're doing, but like, sometimes you go in these places and you're just like, kill me. And uh, the person's reading with you. They're not looking at you. They're sitting on a couch over here. And you can't even look at them. Sometimes they'll be like, your eyeline's over here. And so you're staring at an X on the wall. There's a camera over here. There's a guy who wants to go on his coffee break. And you're supposed to like deliver like this powerful scene to nothing. And it's like, they don't teach you that in acting class. This is like a whole weird new thing. Say what? And, and it's, it's, it's so wrong. It'll never be right. Like it, there's no, there's nothing about auditioning that, that is like comfortable and real and has anything to do with, uh, the real job of acting. Um, so once I, I discovered that like, okay, well, I gotta, I gotta figure out how to get these jobs. 
Yeah. Uh, and that was just a lot of me learning trial and error, like just going in and trying new things. And I would try so many different very, I mean, like I, 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 I don't want to get into some of the weird stuff that I would do, but just trying things and, and failing. I was just, I would fail all the time, but then sometimes like I, I would see like that this worked and that worked and that wasn't working. So I was just constantly kind of like making these adjustments with myself in the audition room to where I like after like, I don't know, maybe, I don't know how long it really took me. I mean, like I was booking jobs, but like, was I like, really confident in the audition room i know i was like just look getting lucky i guess i mean i can't even say that i'm still confident in an audition room right now because like you walk yeah. in and depends on the project it's like you know it's like you'll be sweating and be like what is going on here <laughs> i i figured out a way to kind of like be the best me i could be in that room by coming in as prepared as possible i don't want to say i don't give a you know give a yeah. fuck mentality but like I'm here. Here it is. Okay, take it or leave it. I'm going to give you it all. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to take all these notes. I'm going to have fun because I knew once I was having fun, if I could have fun with what I was doing in the room, I would usually book the job. If I wasn't having fun with whatever it was, I wasn't going to get it. I think it's brilliant. That's just what it is, you know? So like, I just learned to like get to a place where I could have fun. Cause if you're having fun, you're loose and you're organic and it's real. Well, it just uh, sucks sometimes because I was always going out for these jobs where I wasn't doing fun things. I was like murdering people and <laughs> you know, never really having fun. Yeah, you <laughs> got to be fun. careful having too much Killing fun. Killing people and these, yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that went on. You know, it's hard to say how long I was, you know, bouncing around for. I mean, I, I don't even, this is like 2012. So that was like 10 years ago. Okay. And that's when I started kind of booking TV stuff. Well, from a preparation standpoint, how much are you given prior to an audition? Are you given kind of an, an overview and a, a synopsis of either the show or movie, uh, an overview of the character you're playing, and then like a certain number of lines or just one full scene? Like what, what are you given in advance before you walk into this awkward room where you're staring at an X and somebody's speaking over here? It depends on the project. You know, if you're going out for like a feature film and you, you know, you're reading for like a, you know, a co-star or something like that, they'll give you the whole script. Uh, they'll give you your sides and you could read the script you can understand the story so then you understand where these 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 moments plug into the general story so you could try to fucking stitch everything in and and have like a more complete uh you know arc with your uh with your reading which yeah. is great um a lot of the times uh you just get a couple of scenes and like a little breakdown of like hey this is the character uh that's it you know and maybe like well, this is what's happening but a lot of times you know, you'll get these, these, the sides is what they're called. And yep. sometimes they'll give you an extra page of like a FYI. So you could be like, read a scene just so you could like, okay, well, what just happened right before this scene's going on. But most of the time, you know, unless it, unless it's a big part for like a, a film, you know, or it's, you know, you know, if you're going out for like a pilot, you'll, you'll probably get, they'll give you the, uh, the whole script. Oh, okay. For most of the, most of the, most of the, the, the guest star parts and like all these other parts leading up to it. You just get the stuff and you got to bring what you got to it, you know? And I think um, anywhere from like a day to three days to prepare. Uh, oh, okay. That was going to be my next question. And then yeah. along those lines, similar to commercials, how often were you auditioning? Again, is this something that you're hoping to get an audition once a week or is that? Is that oh, no. Well, okay. Like, so no, just the audition standpoint. The commercial role was wild and, I, and I'm glad I'm out of it because uh, yeah. it was hectic and a lot of gas miles and, I mean, we, you know, sometimes you'd have like, you know, 
two auditions, three auditions a day on every side of the, you know, on both sides of LA. So, you know, you're driving for four hours that day. You have three different changes, you know, like I drive an old 65. Uh, and so it doesn't have any air conditioning. So I would just be like, I'd have like four shirts cause I'm sweating. I'm in traffic. My car's overheating. You know, I, I gotta go in as like a, you know, a blue collar guy for this one thing. And then, uh, you know, whatever I got for the other one. And so I got all these changes and you just hop out and do it and hope that one of these things turns into a callback, which turns into a job. And so you, you know, you could do three of those a day and then not have any auditions for two days and then have another one. And then, or then two on Friday. Uh, it's just wild. It's sporadic. You never know what's happening. It's just, it all comes and it's always kind of funny. And like, then if you try to take a vacation, then you get all these auditions right away. Uh, but that was commercials. Commercials was wild. And then, you know, TV and, and film personally, I was never in that kind of demand. Like I would get like, you know, maybe like one or two a week for like, you know, commercial or for television and film and stuff like that. Okay. And you said, and usually you get about a one to three day heads up to prepare for that. So it's, hey, Devin, in two days, I need you to be at this location and you're going to be reading for this character. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it depends. I mean, like for the job I'm on right now, I, I got, I think I got the audition at like maybe two o'clock, maybe two o'clock, like on say today. And then I would have to bring it in and have it prepared by, you know, 11 a.m. tomorrow. I think that's what it was for this job. So I didn't, I had less than 24 hours for, yeah. Uh, the turnaround and that's for ghosts what you're filming that's right for now ghosts, right yeah 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 oh my goodness that turnaround is unbelievable and then how and this might be a random question how about the overall like look or aesthetic i mean i, I see now you've got like the the skin fade you've got the long beard if you're going in for an audition and that look is not authentic to that character are you changing any of that for the audition or do they just know that if you get the part you'll change that you got to be yourself and yeah. they're gonna you know so I, I, it's like, you know, you want to go find a girlfriend. You don't like try to like, like I, I think I want a girlfriend that that will like me as a mutt. Like you don't try to do <laughs> these things before you even meet the person. You know, like you just go and be yourself, and then it happens naturally. Yeah. And it's like you know, for stuff like you know, commercials especially. I, you know, they'd be like, "Are you willing to shave?" Like, no, I'm not willing to shave. Yeah, and like they, they take it or leave it. Like, but like. I'm not like, this is me. Take it or leave it. I could trim, you know, stuff like that. But some guys would just like, they'll do anything like, yeah, I'll, I'll cut my arm off and what, you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So I just, for me, like, I just learned, like, I, I think they have more respect for you if you just show up as you are. And if they want what you have, they'll take yeah. it. If they want someone that doesn't have your look, they're going to go with the other guy. So just, you know, it's not a big deal. My boy's wicked smart. One more question on the auditions. I know I've seen in different kind of stereotypical ways they've portrayed that. Are you like in a waiting room with 50 other guys that kind of look, walk and talk like you? Yeah. And then you, okay. So then you walk into the room and now you're trying to separate yourself from a waiting room of guys that have also been hand selected for the same reasons. Maybe you have. It's great. I loved it. <laughs> uh, I knew all the dudes, We, yeah. you know, and it's, it's always fun being in, in the waiting rooms with these guys. Cause you, you know, you're like, Oh, what's up, man. How you been? Oh, dude, did you get that? Did you, get that? Oh, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of John, you know, but a lot of the big dudes are cool. And, you know, once you start working, it's like, you know, there's no, it's no, it's not really competitive. It's a, it's just like, we all know, like it, it ain't me versus you. It's them and what they want. And we're all here. We're all different colors. You know, we're all different crayons in, in the box. And so, you know, if they want the periwinkle, they'll take me. 
Uh, not that that's my color, but apparently it is <laughs> since I subconsciously said that. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, and it's just fun to kind of hang out and kind of like, it's like the locker room, you know? Um, some dudes would probably do some psych outs, you know, it's like you got like a big, you know, seven page scene that you got to like, you know, put up. And then some guys are like, try to like uh, start a conversation with you right before you go in. Like, so, uh, Hey, uh, by the way, like, um, <laughs> did you hear like Thomas, Thomas like got bit by that dog and, and he almost died. And did you, are you going to go? And you're like, wait, what, what? Like, I don't need to Thomas. Like, no, no, I'm, I'm here. You know? Um, so some guys would play some mind games, mind games in the, uh, the waiting room, but like you see it coming and, you know, when you, you know the guys that try to do it. So, like, you, when you see them, like, you're getting closer to going in, you got to go step away and get your space, you know, so that you don't get shook by some of these dudes. Oh, for sure. And and do they tell you, if you're in a room of 50 dudes, do they tell you what order you're going in? Or are you literally on pins and needles just waiting for them to call you? You you come in, you, there's a sign-in sheet, you sign in, and you know you know what's up. And then you can go check in because they, they cross them off, and you can know where, where you stand in, in the – in the lineup. Yeah. Now, now that you've been in the biz for a little while and you have an incredible resume, are you still auditioning for every single part? Or are there certain things where they just say, uh, Hey, we've worked with him before. We know he's right for this. You just show up or do you, or do you still have to go through the formality of auditioning? Uh, you know, I still hunt for my food. You know, there, there yeah. have been occasions when things have been uh, offered. Um, I don't think that, uh, I don't think, I don't think I've ever done a job that was offered like i've been offered things but nothing's ever worked out to where like uh, timing wise or as, as far as availability but like right now i mean man i'm on this show ghost and you know we're working like six seven months out of the year so i got you know i got five months where i'm not turning and burning every day oh yeah you're in the big leagues now so i got i got have a five-month window to work uh you know and i got a family so it's like you know it's just a way of balancing it all you know i, I tell my agents i'm like hey like I love working and that's what I want to do. And I'm down to work year round, you know, but, you know, we just got to pick and choose, you know, um, which project really fits into like that picture, you know, cause like, I don't, well, I don't want, I don't want to check anything out the list, but you know, it just has to really coincide with what's best for me and my family and all of us uh, right now. So like, uh, like this last year was, I was actually going to do a movie, but I had to, to back out of it because there was a conflict with ghosts. It's just tricky kind of getting in there. But as far as like right now, the career, it's like I'm 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 on an island up here, man. You know, I can't I can't you know, no one's sending me auditions. They know I'm working, they, they, you know, and it would be messed up if they're like, hey, oh, Devin, you, you want Top Gun? Oh, that's right. You can't do that because you're, you're working. So, oh, yeah. sorry, you know, sorry about that. No. Yeah. Wow. All right. So let's let's get into what you're currently doing. So you mentioned you had less than a 24 hour heads up to do the audition for Ghosts. Obviously, it went well and they cashed you. How long after the audition did you guys actually start shooting? Is that something that's weeks away, months away? Did they do this a year in advance just to make sure that they can book you? Or what, what does that process look like? They give you some outside dates on the audition. They say, oh, you know, we'll start shooting between this day and that day. And so you just kind of like, you know, you look at that, you're like, well, I'll, I'll cross that road when I get there. Yep. Uh, so you go in. My process was like really really streamlined a lot of people um had a longer process i just went in and i only saw him once and i saw the director the producers uh and that's it and the casting director and i did two two read-throughs because like the first one i went through uh 
they were laughing and I just forgot where I was like, I remember that they started laughing. I was like, they're laughing. And I was like, Oh shit, what am I supposed to say? I was like, Oh, uh, uh, uh. And they're like, take it over again. Never come on. It's great. And so then I did the, the second time all the way through. And, uh, they just offered me right after that. They said, Hey, like you're Thorfinn. And I was like, yes, I am. Interesting curse question. Again, never had this much sugar. So it's hard to say, but some people go like I, Richie, like, you know, uh, who plays Pete, he, he's in the, you know, was living in New York. And so he flew out two separate times and had to go test with like against two other actors each time on a big stage in front of like everyone at CBS and everyone at Lionsgate. And like, you know, it was like really intense. Whereas mine was just like, I was in a tight room, just, you know, getting Viking on it. And, and uh, I, I took the, I took the shortcut. So you're in, you're in Montreal filming. And talk to me kind of, again, I'm just trying to, to figure out what I don't get to see on this side of the camera. So, you know, this is a weekly show. Are you guys spending one week filming each episode or are they batch together or what, what does the, cause you just said you're working possibly five to six months for an entire season. How does that unfold? And are you working like a normal work week and are you able to go back home on the weekends are you coming back and forth or are you pretty much there and the family comes to see you or what does that look like? All great questions. Uh, so we do what, what is called block shooting. So we, we shoot in blocks. I'm like, oh, well, that doesn't make any sense. But tell me more about that. Let's talk I, about it. I would so love to we either do two week blocks or four week blocks. And so uh, a two week block, we'll, we'll be shooting two episodes in two weeks, right? Okay. One episode per week. But we won't be shooting like episode one on the week and then episode two the next week we'll shoot on any given day you could be shooting a scene from episode two or episode one and it doesn't matter and you just co-mingle them it just helps out for scheduling because you know say there's you know a scene in episode two and a scene in episode one that take place in the same room with this with the same amount of characters they're going to shoot those back to back because that'll save time for setups so that we can make our days so every day you know you'll you'll you get, you know, the, the day before you get your site. Well, you know what scenes are going. You get a schedule that tells you what shoot, what scenes you're shooting on which day. And then, you know, every day uh, you get sides the night before for the scenes you're shooting the next day. And you just come and you prepare everything, you know, the night before. You know, if you got a lot of heavy stuff, you, you definitely do not do it the night before. You take, you know, some time, you know, in the days leading up to it to get to it. Uh, and so we'll do block shooting. So, like, that's how it is. Sometimes we'll do a four-week block. Or there's four episodes that could be, you know, commingled, which is really weird. It's kind of tricky because, like, you know, you're playing storyline, uh, but it's easy for my character because my character really doesn't know what's going on, anyways. Um, and then, uh, yeah, when I have time, I just, you know, I fly back and I see the fam. I got the dogs and everyone over there, and uh, you know, we do, we we do get hiatus weeks, and then there are weeks where, you know, like it's like a five day weekend because of scheduling like you know maybe i'm light in an episode or heavy in an episode so you know i might get an extra day or two off uh but like right now like i'm not working today it's monday uh i work tomorrow and the rest of the week um and then i don't even know what's happening the week after uh so that you know you, they, they kind of spoof penis yeah they don't want to give actors too much information about the future because everything's always uh likely to change and then you know you don't want to tell someone they have this time off to go see their family and then take it away from them. So, you know, we, we, we can only see too far in the future with the flashlight. So is the crew filming today, but you just don't have any lines or, or part of that scene today? 
Yeah, in fact, uh, I, I'd say like probably 70% of the, maybe like, yeah, 70% of the cast probably has this day off today. They're shooting some exterior scenes uh, and a lot, none of the ghosts are in that scene. It's just like uh, the livings are in the scene. So ghosts get to hang out and, you know, have like uh, little Zoom calls with friends and, uh, you know, drink coffees yeah. and it's great. Yeah. I love that. Well, talk to me, and I know this might not be your area of expertise, but I'm hoping to get a writer on for a future episode. Talk to me about the writing process. Are they writing the entire season kind of on the front end so that they can map all of this stuff out? Or are they just writing a couple of episodes at a time? Or what, Man, what does that look know. like? I don't know. I don't know. We don't know. Uh, oh, okay. You know, things are constantly changing and evolving. We have a writer's room. And so they started up, uh, I think, a couple of months before we got here. So they, I think they they outlined a lot of ideas and episodes, and then they kind of from there. This is what this is what I understand, and this might be completely wrong, but this is what yeah. I understand. They'll talk about episodes and ideas and like storylines and this and that, and then they kind of figure out when those storylines are going to you know transpire, and then um, they kind of divvy out like what writers get which episode, and then everyone gets to go take these these episodes that they kind of like have been delegated. And they do a little punch up, whether it's a, a draft or, a, you know, a, a, you know, just the scenes. I, I, I don't I don't. This is where they I don't know what they're doing. I think this is what they're doing. And then they come back to the table and they bring everything in together. And then everyone's like, oh, OK, that's great. Let's change this and that and that. And then you got the showrunners who are the, like the you know, the, the main producers who oversee everything, who are also writers. So yep. it's like this huge collaborative, you know, uh, mosh pit of like intellects you know and words and flying everywhere and jokes going off i don't know what they do all the time honestly this is this is what i think they do you need to interview them so we could really know yeah. uh and then episodes start coming out to us and then uh once they get to us there's you know we'll get a couple there'll be adjustments to the the draft like as we're shooting just like they realize okay this is not going to work this needs to be changed and just small little tweaks in here you know they shave a couple of things off and paint a couple of things a different color. And then um, yeah, you, you're shooting them as things are getting adjusted and uh, you know, we, we just keep doing it. Yeah. They keep um, coming. And boy, so many questions. I would imagine some of this has to do with both the genre, whether it's a drama or a comedy and some would have to do with, with maybe the director and how much control they like, but how much flexibility are you given to improv a little bit or to maybe say a line slightly differently than it was written on page is that are some of them strict to the syllable and say no Devin that is not what we wrote say it again or do well, some of them just let you kind of be the character very funny that you bring that up uh I Thorfinn uh, he speaks in third person you know, there's, you know, there's a language barrier, you know, so like he kind of is dyslexic and backwards in the way he says things. And sometimes when child has imaginary friend, his actual ghost, other times kid just crazy. <laughs> he, he, there's it's no real method to like his cadence. I mean, there is, but there isn't, you know, just as long as it's wrong, but it's right. That's Thorfinn. So I, I think uh, the, that character is allotted a little more of a leash to kind of um, play to get from point A to point B. And, you know, a lot of times I don't get there perfectly, but I, I'll, I'll land the plane and I'll take it off. You know, there's going to be turbulence the whole time, but as, as long as uh, no passengers die and uh, you know, they get the wheels back on the ground, I think they're pretty happy. Um, you know, with other characters, I think there's, they need to be more word perfect because the way the cadence is written for the joke, everything needs to be paced up and every word is perfect 
perfectly placed, you know? So it's like, I have a, I think it's a little, it's just, it's just sometimes it's so hard as Thorpe and because like, you, you know, you oh, I'll well, go down here and then I'll have this and why not that? Of course that. And put it there, like wrote it like, why not this? And of course that. And I said, why not that? And of course that. They're going to allow me to have that. But sometimes you never know. Like sometimes they do come up and be like, no, say this and not that. I'm like, okay. And then I'll, then it'll be, you know, it'll be tricky because my brain, it's, it's, it's really weird to like take it all, then put it in another voice and then do it and then actually do it right and not just stand like a robot and say words. Yeah. Uh, but that's what um, preparing before you go in for the, you know, for the day is so. For sure. Yeah. Well, okay. Now here, let, let's play a hypothetical. Let's just say whether this was either a TV show or a movie, let's just say the scene is you and I are out to dinner, two friends, and we're having a, a dinner discussion and the final cut on camera, this is going to be about a three minute scene of you and I exchanging a little dialogue. Talk to me about what it takes to actually film just two guys sitting at a table having a discussion. I mean, how, how many times are you saying your lines or are you saying them when they're shooting? That's the an camera ideal. My that, we're going to get through that real quick and we're going to have fun. That's a great that that's we're going to have a good time, you know, because like you typically they're coming. They're going to want to do a wide shot first. Uh, they're just going to get both the characters and all the ambiance. And there's this one shot. And then we get to have it and no one's got any coverage yet, you know, yep. but by the way, there's completely different styles of ways of shooting. I'm just saying that if they were to do that on our show, that's how they would do it. But there's other shows that would just maybe not even shoot a white shot. They would just do a whole one and, you know, would work perfect. Like if you were doing Birdman or something like that, like that's, you know, there's all these different styles, but generally speaking, you're going to want to get a wide shot and then, you know, you'll, you'll come over to the shoulder and and we'll get coverage of the you know of you talking or your, we'll, we'll we'll be doing the scene and then okay. once they get what they like over there then they'll come over and they'll you know they'll get me me doing my thing the same thing that we were just been doing this whole time and then you know if they want to do like a special shot or you know they, the cinematographer wants to get artsy and gets creative okay. which is cool then they could do something you know especially if there's like a moment in the scene where you know you spill the wine and something happens and then we clock some someone over in the doorway and then we there's another moment like then that's where things get, can get a little tricky because it's a timing issue. And, you know, then you got movement with the camera. Uh, but a scene like that, like if it's just cut and dry, uh, you know, we, 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 we can knock that out real quick. But it's like when you start adding all these other variables and, and people like so we'll shoot scenes and ghosts where we got. Dude, sometimes we got like 14 people in a scene, man. And it's crazy. So it's like and then you got to like so blocking is like where when you put the characters in their places you know so it's like so everyone needs to be blocked in this scene and then you know so that <laughs> as best as possible you clump people together because you can't have like everyone standing like six feet apart <laughs> and then like like over here and over there because then it would take it would take so long to get all these the reaction shots and hit it all right and then have it it would take hours and you know probably 10 hours to do a scene like that but yeah. if you have 15 people and then you kind of put people together and make sure like you could like get three people's coverage in one shot versus, you know, one person at a time. Sure. Save time. But but, but even even at its, in its most basic form, assuming you and I nail our lines perfectly, we're reading the same scene at least three times. A wide shot over your shoulder and over my shoulder. 
So we're basically saying the same lines three times. And that's if you do it three times. If you do it three times, everyone's an all star and you're working with like one of those badass directors like who's like, I we got it, we're moving on. Like I've heard stories about those dudes. I've never had a a director that constantly was like one take and done. Like usually you'll get like, you know, two or that's when the directing happens. Yeah. I, you know, I like what you're doing. Try this. Yo, try this. Come in and just just hold that for a little bit, and then you know maybe deliver it a little more loving. Like you know, like that's where the directors like to put their paint on. So they give you that's what the wide shots really for. They really get to see what you guys are bringing, and then they get to like adjust the tempo, kind of like a DJ with you know the bass, whatever. They just tweak some things up, get everyone where the their the rhythms right, and then they go over and they get the coverage and push in and give you even more notes throughout. I mean. If we were to do that scene and we did three takes, we we were either A, our director just thinks we're perfect. Yeah. We're perfect. Or it's just that there's no way it's going to be good. But, and, you know, and enough. I mean, sometimes yeah. you do hit a home run. So we're, we're doing it multiple times. And then obviously you're collecting all of this footage because then in post they're going to edit it, which means I can only imagine if, if, we're both having a beer and we're eating some food and there's some people kind of in the background. Then every time we do that scene, they got to refill the drink levels to that level. We've got to have the right amount of food on the plate so that if they edit it in a different order, it's not like, wait, why is half of his chicken gone when he just started the meal? So they got people for that. Like, who, got, who's overseeing all of that? Yeah. The, the, yeah. I mean, that's just, you just reset everything. You got, you got, you got the guys, uh, prop department. They're awesome. There was, you know, they're, take care of all that stuff. They know what the levels are, you know, I mean, you got set, to, you know, set dressers and you got the people, you know, the extras in the background and they're controlled by like the, the ADs got down because he tells them when to start moving. And, and obviously there's going to be instances when things aren't perfect. I think there was an op- what, like there was a scene last year where uh, we were shooting exteriors and I, for some reason they were shooting so far away and I didn't know they were like, doing like a big wide shot. And I, I went and I was taking a pitch in the woods as Thorfinn and I was in the whole entire scene. And it wasn't until like, like, like three minutes later when they were doing playback that they noticed me go like sneak into the woods and take a piss in the distant background. I wish they had kept it. Oh my God. Uh, but they, someone caught it. But uh, yeah, there's always things that, you know, but if something like that happens, it kind of ruins no matter how good the acting is in that scene, yeah. it has to get cut because something's, you know, there's a guy pissing in the background that shouldn't be pissing there. So we try to eliminate as many of those errors as possible, but that stuff happens, you know, plane flies by. It's, if there's, it is what it is. You just, you know, you just take it as it comes. Is there a major difference other than just the timeline between shooting a movie and shooting TV, like from a, from your craft standpoint or from the process standpoint, or is it just one's kind of a, a shorter synopsis? You're shooting a 90 minute feature film versus a 22 episode you know show films are more uh you have more time you have more license to be creative uh you know there's when you're in television we have to get when there's a schedule all those scenes need to be done in that day that we we can't we can't we can't be pushing scenes into the next day and pushing things back we can't be going over on time you know that's not going to happen. You know, producers are there and they freak out and they're like, yo, like this needs to happen now, 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 now. So things are very time oriented and they are in films too, but there, there is a way there's, there's a, there's a bit more of a freedom when you're doing 
film versus television just because they, they, they you know it's supposed to be as real as pop you know like it's just like and sometimes like in like we're doing comedy like it's not that it's not supposed to be as real as possible but like like you really got to get all these these moving parts together and perfectly and make them sing but like then you're doing like a like so like i did this movie with uh with uh bay last year called ambulance and it's just oh, yeah. like yeah we only get like maybe like one or two takes at, at pops out of anything ever you know because you got all this stuff happening you got explosions you got cars hitting here this and that and like how many cars do we have you know like how many how much you know uh fire how many more explosions do we have left like maybe one or two so like you better not drop your line you better not miss your mark you better hit it all right and just be there for it so it's 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 there's a lot of a lot of fun you know the 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 um it gets ramped up quite a bit when you're doing like a, like a film, you know, things can get a little more intense, which is also a lot of fun as well. For sure. So I would imagine there for something like that, where they, they've got all these massive pyrotechnics and explosions and car crashes and things. Are you just doing a, a ridiculous amount of walkthroughs and rehearsal before they actually let the cameras go live to make sure that it's perfect? Almost like, almost as if you were preparing for a Broadway show where you're, you're doing this for months and months to make sure when it's go time, it's legit. Yeah, I mean, okay. So if you're doing like a, like a fight scene uh, with a choreographed fight scene, yeah, yeah. nothing. That's, that's going to be really refined, and you're really going to get together with the stunt guys, and you're going to spend a lot of time dancing, you know, like on an off day, and making sure that thing's perfect by the time that you you get to set to deliver that sequence. Um, yeah, and it, it just depends on like the level uh whatever the scene is like sometimes you know maybe you only need to rehearse it for 15 minutes before and you can hit it you know uh it, it all really depends on what you're what you're doing but like i think the most complicated things are typically like fight sequences those need because those need to be right they need to be safe you know you, you, you need to look real can't be fake you know and there's the, you know you got to make sure that the camera is going to catch all the moves and stuff like that and that, that's all that's all fun so i don't know it, it's it, films are really cool man you know um like i've only done a couple of them so like you know i i don't have a whole lot of experience in that realm but uh definitely interested in doing more down the line uh during hiatuses in between seasons here on ghost absolutely you know one of the coolest experiences ever i, I don't know if you knew this uh uh i'm a huge fan of the show bosch and I did not know that you were on it until I saw you. And I remember like I did a back handspring off of the couch. I, I text your amazing wife, Jesse, and was like, oh, my God, you didn't tell me that he was in Bosch. It's one of my favorite shows. Dude, that was that was a really cool experience for me. How, how much did you enjoy doing that show? That was a fun show, man. I mean, everyone's so cool. You know, it's like, uh, you know, when you when you guest star on a show, it's, you're basically going to someone else's party and they're a family and you don't know anyone and you hope that you have people that you get along with, you could talk to, and it's not awkward, you know? Uh, and when you do go to like a, a project like that, where everyone's so beautiful, you know, everyone's just like the nicest people and so welcoming and it's just great, you know, uh, just hanging out and shooting on location is really fun, you know, cause you're driving around LA and, and it's always, I've, I've always enjoyed, you know, I always end up, I played a lot of like, you know, bad dudes. Uh, and it's always kind of fun, like, when you get to like really like you know i don't know like you, you're doing some really egregious shit you know like yeah shooting people in the middle of la and blowing stuff up and throwing people in dumpsters and it's like 
I would never want to do that, but it's like, you're like, well, I get, this is my job. So I'm, I'm going to have to, like I said, you're going to have to enjoy it as much as possible in order for it to, to sing. So it's, it's a lot of fun sometimes just, you know, uh, shoot on location, which we did a lot with that show. And uh, everyone's just awesome, man. I mean, it's actually, I'm not even mad. That's amazing. <laughs> Couple other questions and I'll let you go. I could keep you for 52 hours because this is so fascinating and you're so interesting to talk with. Talk to me about the, the sets that they make. So even using Bosch as an example, like a, a good portion of scenes are supposedly in his house that's overlooking, I guess, kind of the Hollywood Hills. I assume that's not really being shot in a house that's on a stage set somewhere, or is it? And then part of that question is, Every time I see any scene that is taking place in a car where there's dialogue, I'm wondering, are they actually in a car or is this half of a car on a set with CGI wrapped around it to make it look like they're in a moving car? And I can't tell the difference. I think most of the time it's a moving car. Unless oh. it's like, I, in my experience, I've never done the CGI green screen car thing. So I think that okay. that could be, unless there's like a, a lot of special effects stuff you know, like King Kong's coming up, I think that maybe then they have to have it on the green screen. But like when I've done like, you know, uh, driving talks, like literally, like I'm driving the car. Like we got this, we bought the street and I'll just be driving the car down the street. And then, you know, they'll rig up the car, you know, they'll have like a little camera over here on, on the yep. driver's side door. They got one kind of in the front and, you know, you're cruising and they make sure that like you could drive. Uh, so yeah, I, I think a lot of the time they, they are really driving. Sometimes, they will what they'll do is if they don't you know if they don't for some reason whatever that's not comfortable with the actor actually driving then they'll put you on the back of a trailer yeah. uh like and you know it'll look like you're driving but you're just being towed by yeah. a, by a bigger truck around the neighborhood and then you know you, you, that way you know <laughs> you could you know have a little more fun with the dialogue or whatever and not crash into a fire hydrant i mean yeah. you know well, actors, then, actors are actors and sometimes you know things can happen you know of course i can't imagine so, okay so so back to the set and i know that wasn't necessarily your specific oh, for the set body. right so but, like uh, the house or the office which we see all of the time in that show are those actually sets that are built or are they did they actually rent out a house and they're setting up the cameras and lighting in the house i don't know the answer to that question oh, i would okay. say because I, I i never saw i, I never saw i was obviously never ending those scenes Right. But I would venture to say they would have to be on a set somewhere and then. To control sound and lighting. Yeah. But like if he's going to go outside and step out onto his balcony and like, you know, take in the city, then you got to be on location. So I just, yeah. you know, it just depends. Cause like if you're on set, you save a lot more money, you know, because if you just build it out and then you could use it as much as you want, you don't have to pay location fees and shut streets down. And it's so much more expensive to buy a nice house in the Hills. I mean, like, I don't yeah. even know what those things cost per day, but like thousands and hundreds, not hundreds, but like, you know, a lot of money to like have a nice house up on the hills. Cause then, cause right. you gotta shut down the whole street. You gotta take, you gotta buy that house. You gotta buy the house next door and you gotta pay these other people off down the neighborhood because they see their neighbors are getting paid. And so they decide to play their music really loud uh, and ruin scenes. So then you gotta pay them to shut up. So it's just like, you know, it's LA. everyone's like, hold on, there's money to be had. So if you're going to make it real, it's going to cost you money. Uh, you know, I, so I'm sure people always try to do things on a set when they can, uh, as long as it doesn't look terrible, you know? Yeah. Just more for the, the overall quality control of being able to say, all right, we control the sound, we control the lighting, we can control all of the environment around. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
man, this was absolutely amazing. I, I can't thank you enough. Um, anything else you can think of off the top of your mind as far as unseen hours and what novice fans like me who love TV and love movies would love to know about what guys like you do on the other side of the camera. And that that's kind of how we'll end this, my friend. I, I, I try to have as much fun as possible. And I, and I always circle back to that, but it's like, I just try to have a good time with all of it. You know, there's work is work, but if you look at it like it's work, then it's work. You're the smartest guy I ever met. If you look at it like it's fun and make it fun and then incorporate it to your life, you know, and whatever you're doing and, and keep things loose and ready, then just as long as you're having fun, you could do the best work possible. I mean, I think that's just my one, my one piece of wisdom that I've, that I've acquired over, over the years in this, in this business is just have fun. No matter what, you know, like don't stress out about stuff, I, you know, stressing out and losing your mind and overworking things and, and just, you know, whatever, getting frantic and all the anxiety. And then you bring it to set and then the director goes, oh, do it exactly opposite. And you're like, oh, oh wait, what? Oh, oh, oh. It's like, no, like you, you, you got to come, you know, you can't come to, to the job with a finished painting. You come to the job, you got an outline of it. And then uh, people will tell you that they like the colors that you're thinking about going with. And then, then you keep painting forward, you know? So it's just um, have fun, be, be willing to just adapt and, uh, and shape everything and just kind of let it happen, you know? Yeah. I mean that, man, I'm so glad. I think you summarized that perfectly. Cause that's what was, I was thinking about with this whole conversation. One, you've got to be open. You've got to be coachable. Uh, you've got to have some resilience where you could go on several auditions in a row that don't go your way. And you have to show up to that next one with the optimism and the confidence and belief that you're going to land it. When you do get the part, you've got to have people, you know, some people are going to give you direction and they might not say it in the most tactful or courteous way. And you just have to realize that, hey, we're all in this together because I, I, I too can, I can't fathom the amount of pressure on you all as the the talent, when you have hundreds of people working to make this thing work. And if you're not a professional, if you're not nailing your mark, nailing your lines, like you're making more work for everybody else. Like you're oh, making you feel, longer I've days been there. for everyone. I've, I've been that guy. I yeah. Mean, I mean, that's, that's tough. And you freak out and then you get flustered and you're like, how many, and then you're like, you're like, what's going on? How come I can't remember my lines? Where are they? No, like, this is bad. Like, oh, some guys looking at me and oh, like, I'm ruining everyone's time. Like, and then it, it you could freak out and you know we've all done that and been there it, it is what it is you know you just learn how to like work through it <laughs> it's, it's it's just a trust honestly sometimes at the end of the day you just got to go here we go trusting and then you could just you could do it you know if you did the work going in you could always deliver if you didn't do the work and, and you're dropping everything that's usually probably because it's not inside of you and you're then now you're screwed I think that's the perfect exclamation point on this conversation, man. This was so much fun. Thank you so much. This was uh, beyond enjoyable and fascinating for me. So thank you so much, Kevin. <laughs> thank you for having me on, brother. That was great. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for investing your time with us. I hope we helped you raise your game and provided useful insight on how you can maximize the unseen hours. If you found this episode helpful, would you be open-minded to supporting the show? Would you be kind enough to share it with a friend or colleague? Would you take 30 seconds and leave us a rating and review? Those two things help support the show's mission and message more than you realize. And don't ever forget, a candle loses nothing by lighting another candle. If I can ever be of service to you or your organization, please visit allensteinjr.com 
or strongerteam.com for a variety of speaking and coaching resources.